Okay, okay, okay. You got it? You got it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Hey, Lisa. Hey, Shell. Why don't you tell the listeners about our podcast? Okay. (laughs) This is Whose Crime Is It Anyway? Where we cover murder, cold cases, missing persons, serial killers. Basically, any crime that we can't stop thinking about and wondering what the hell happened. We are two Canadian girls from Vancouver, BC. We used to text each other all the time about the crazy cases we listened to on true crime podcasts, and Shell was like, let's start one of our own. So here we are. We want to focus on Canadian crimes, but we also have those bigger sensational cases we obsess over too. But this first case has never been on a podcast before. It's a crazy story of a three-person abduction on an island, and a mother's plea to find her children 20 years later. This is the missing persons case of the O'Brien brothers. Shell is going to walk you through it, so take it away, girl. Okay, so my story is based in Newfoundland. It happened on November 9th, 1996 in a city called Torbay. So I looked up how far it is from St. John's and it's about a 20 minute drive. And St. John's for people who don't know is the capital city of Newfoundland. And it's right on the edge of the Atlantic Ocean. So when I looked at pictures, it's very maritime. It's Mm -hmm. like picturesque and these like little coastal homes that are dotting the like green hills. Mm -hmm. It's very pretty. So that's where our story begins. On a brisk Saturday morning, this is when Diana Boland, mother of three, suffers her very worst nightmare. Earlier that morning, Diana's ex-husband, Gary O'Brien, was set to pick up their three boys. Adam, who's 14, Trevor, who's 11, and Mitchell, who's only four, at her home in Mount Pearl to spend the day with them. So Mount Pearl's another city. It's a little bit more inland than Mm -hmm. Torbay is. So Diana recalls that morning as if it was yesterday. So she writes on the Facebook page quite a bit still. And she was saying that that morning it was really busy. The two older boys were delivering the paper to the neighbors in the morning. And Trevor, who was the 11-year-old, was really excited to show his dad his new Chicago Bulls jacket, and Adam, who was the oldest, had plans to buy his mom a birthday card. So by all means, a normal morning. So Gary was the non-custodial parent. So he had visitation rights on Saturdays. It's been said that Gary had a history of violence, psychiatric problems, and suicidal tendencies, but I tried to find out why this was reported Was there anything to back that up? Like, why? Nothing. So I have no idea. It was just said in, like, the subtext that this, like, he had a history of these things, but I couldn't find anything to corroborate those claims. So we don't really know why, but I can only assume that that's why he had limited custody. Right. So despite that, though, each weekend, Gary would show up as a dad and spend time with his boys at his home in Torbay. So on this particular Saturday morning in 1996, the youngest boy, Mitchell, wasn't feeling very well. So Gary called Diana in the morning saying that he would be late to pick 
the sons up, and Diana responded by saying that maybe it was better if the boys stayed with her that day since Mitchell was sick. Okay. And he was only four, so like, you know, four-year-olds are kind of miserable when they're sick. Mm -hmm. But Gary became really irritated with her over the phone and insisted that the three boys, including Mitchell, be ready when he arrived to pick them up. So he shows up, Diana says goodbye to her sons, Little did she know that would be the last time she'd see or hear from any of them. All three. All three. So that night, Diana expected Gary to drop the boys off back at her place as usual, but he was a lot later than she expected. Around 8.30 p.m., Diana receives a chilling and terrifying phone call. Gary is on the other line. He tells Diana that she will never see her boys again and that his house in Torbay is rigged with a bomb what? and set to explode Oh my God! if she or anyone attempts to get in. So Diana freaks out. So to her knowledge at this point, the boys are alive. He just is holding them hostage, hostage. in the house. Yeah, okay. And that if anyone even goes up to the door, he'll set it off. He'll set it off and kill everyone. Okay. So she's freaking out. We don't know a whole lot about this phone call. Um, Like, we don't know what else was said. But she asks to speak to the boys. And Gary responds with, later. That's it. Okay. And then he hangs up. What the fuck? Right? Like, can you imagine? So, Diana was with her sister at the time of the call. And they notified the police right away. And the bomb threat turned out to be super real. It was legit. It was legit. So the police went to his home, and they found that it was rigged with a makeshift bomb of two 400-pound tanks of propane. Whoa. That would have ignited and exploded if they rang the doorbell. So... How does he know how to do that? And I was also thinking, it's 1996, computers aren't that... that sophisticated. No, they're not sophisticated yet, so you, you don't have access to information in the same way. So I did some digging... And Diana said on the Facebook page that Gary is an electrician by trade with a strong interest in computers and technology. There it is. I'm assuming that he used this skill set to figure it out. Could they tell if the kids were even alive at this point when they went to the house? From what I can see, they diffused the bomb Mm -hmm. um, and they... I mean, obviously they knew what was in there, the propane and everything. And it actually was so much that it would have, like, killed neighboring people. Right. Like, not just if, the one house, it would have yeah, extended. So like, it's super elaborate. Like, So they said that they found the house that was empty with no people inside. Gary wasn't even at the house? So Gary wasn't at the house. Adam, Trevor, Mitchell, gone. Everyone, no one's there. The police thought that they had escaped in Gary's car, which was a gray 1989 Ford Tempo, which is basically just like a shitty looking gray car. And it was missing from the driveway. Newfoundland is an island. So you can't actually drive into Canada from Newfoundland. You have to go by boat or by plane. Okay. Especially at that time, it was even harder to get off of the island. So they say there is a nationwide hunt for him. Like, Newfoundland is not that big. No, it's tiny. They couldn't find them. Turned up nothing. Police searched and searched. No boys. For an entire year, there was absolutely no leads. They had completely They're disappeared. off the grid for one off year. Off the grid for a whole year. Even nothing. Gary. Even Gary. Okay. Everyone. Like, he hasn't popped up. The kids are gone. Okay. 
So a year later, in October of 1997, the police found something suspicious. In the ocean, near a city called Flat Rock, which is a really short distance away from where Gary lived, the engine of a 1989 Ford Tempo was discovered. And they checked the serial number of the engine, and it matched Gary's car. But they just found the engine and, like, the front of the car, but they didn't find any bodies. Like, the rest of the car was nowhere to be found. I have a question. Yes. So when they found the engine in the ocean, was Mm -hmm. it on the shore? Did it get washed up? Like, how deep and far into the water was it? Were they looking for it? How did somebody even see? Who found it? Totally. So... Apparently, they were searching the ocean because of this case. Okay. So the police had a dive team out there, and they were searching the waters by Flat Rock, and they found, like, they just found it. There was an account from a diver who was on site Mm -hmm. that he posted in a Reddit thread that the impact would have been so severe of the car and it would have limited what was there anyways and that is why only the engine was found he's like the atlantic ocean is so rough and that area is just so crazy that like nothing would have survived right so i've been to newfoundland yes and this was probably back in 2003 Mm -hmm. when i was there it was in the winter time it was so cold i remember looking down over this cliff looking at the atlantic ocean and it was creepy as fuck. Why? It was super rough mm-hmm. and it was dark. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't like the Pacific Ocean. You can't see down in the water. It was almost black. Ooh, chills. And choppy. It was very choppy. Right. So I could imagine if a car had, yeah, I believe it. It goes over a cliff and it just basically obliterates. So that's really the most cut and dry theory. Okay. Is that Gary drove himself and the boys off the cliffs. Okay. And killed them all, murder, suicide. The only thing is I was trying to think this through. So if this happened, we actually don't know when it happened. So they found Mm -hmm. the engine a year later, but the crash could have happened the same day, which is why they never found them at all when they did the nationwide hunt. because it wasn't even on the land. Because they were gone already. And then she didn't talk to the boys. Mm -hmm. The boys could have already been dead when he made that phone call. Mm -hmm. And then he just drove them off right like with him yeah in it, with him or in without it. him in it at all maybe he drove it off and ran away that is also totally fair to say diana believes that gary intentionally rigged the house and then got rid of his car over the cliffs okay. to mislead the police okay that's possible she is really adamant that her boys are still alive and she believes that despite all of his like downfalls gary wouldn't actually harm them which, as much as he talked about harming himself, he wouldn't actually do it to his own kids. Yeah, suicidal tendencies. I can only imagine this has happened in the past. Like, yeah. I can only imagine his violent streak has been there. Yeah. So, who's to say that it doesn't transfer onto the kids? I know. So, I think the police at this point, from what I could gather, decided that everyone, all four of them, were in the water. And... They didn't think that it was a trap or a red herring because how did he know that they would find it? The engine in the ocean. But the case is still open and he's still wanted. So that was sort of the next suspicious thing that happened. But the case goes completely cold until 1999, two years later, 
an anonymous caller provides an interesting tip to Child Find Canada in Thunder Bay, Ontario. So for people who aren't familiar with Canada at all, Thunder Bay is 4,000 kilometers away from Torbay. So it's not just like a town or two over. So the caller said she was a babysitter who had taken care of the boys. The boys. Yes, the boys. So she recognized them from a visa bill and she knew one of the boys' nicknames and some family-related details. So this made her like a super strong source. So the Thunder Bay police like immediately reach out and try to find her and try to follow up. Yeah. She's never been heard from again. What? Yeah. Was it an anonymous call or did she actually leave her name with them? It was an anonymous call. Oh, come on. She was probably afraid to leave her name. I know. She was probably scared. The Thunder Bay police couldn't locate this source, and she's never been heard from again. And that's where the case ends. Officially. Officially. That was it. So the boys are still missing, and Gary is wanted for kidnapping and attempted murder. I mean, the case is still open, but there hasn't been any... No more tips. No more tips. No sightings. No sightings. This was the only credible sighting that the police have ever taken seriously. Right. Because she had information and nicknames about these kids that no one else would have known about. Exactly. I can only imagine that she was babysitting the youngest, though. But why wouldn't the oldest brother be babysitting if he's 17 or 18? Uh So then it's kind of like, was it really them? Right. But how did she know these nicknames? Who knows? Hmm. And Um, another thing is... When he called her, he was insinuating that he was at the house with the kids. Yeah, so exactly. this was this was hours and hours after he had picked them up from her. Mm-hmm. So who's to say that when he left his house to go and pick up those boys, he had already booby trapped the house? Mm-hmm. And well, he was late that morning coming right. to pick them up, probably setting it all up. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so maybe he picked up the boys, mm-hmm. and in that time left and got on a ferry, mm-hmm. took his car, or maybe crashed the car first, took a backup car, and went on the ferry with the boys and mm-hmm. left. Yep. So by the time he called her, they were long gone. Right? So that was my biggest question. Right? Yeah. So I agree with you. I think that he was late picking the boys up that morning because he was setting up the bomb. Yep. Um, and then I also thought, why would he stick around? Yeah, like get, if get he the wanted hell to out of dodge. Exactly, exactly. So if he picked up the boys shortly after noon in Mount Pearl, so Mount Pearl is like a little bit more inland than where his place was. So that's he has eight hours before he calls Diana because he calls her at eight thirty. Okay. So twelve to eight, like say let's say twelve thirty to eight thirty. So that's eight hours. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking this up. Newfoundland, it's not like BC. There's not like a ferry terminal a half hour drive away. Okay. The ferry is nine hours. Shut up. To get to the ferry terminal. That was perfect timing. That's exactly what happened. So he drove to the ferry in that time. He bought himself those hours and he got on a goddamn boat. I know. And they left. So, ugh. There's two ferry terminals that I think were around in 1996, and someone can totally correct me if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. but both of them are about a nine-hour drive. They're, like, at opposite ends, but 
So I, I'm looking on Google Maps and I'm kind of going through this route. The ferry to Nova Scotia, the ferry to get there takes a while. So I'm thinking if he got to the ferry terminal, my question is, I just thought like, where is he calling Diana from? Okay, so it's assumed as I'm reading this that he's calling her from inside his house. Right. But why would he call from inside his house if it's booby-trapped? Exactly. And he wasn't in there anyways. So where did he call her from? He must have had to call from a landline somewhere. That's my question. There must have been cell phones at the time. I looked them up in their like... 1996. Saved by the bell. Yeah. They had cell phones. Zach Morris had a cell phone. It was huge, but he still had one. If we know where he called her from, then we can figure out maybe what his plan of action was. It is super possible that they're still alive. It is. And it's very easy to brainwash children. Into, super easy. Into thinking that their mom didn't want them. Yeah. Or, you know, because there's all these stories that you hear about girls that have been kidnapped and they get I know brainwashed by their abductor and they end up walking around with them in plain sight because they've learned to... What do they call it? Stockholm Syndrome? Yeah. Yeah. So it's very possible that he just totally... Littered their brain with the wrong information, but wouldn't they have noticed or seen or heard about a searching case on them? Wouldn't they have seen their face somewhere? I know. Wouldn't that be bizarre if you were like... It would be. For the oldest son. How old was he at the time? 14. It's you you got some common sense. Yeah. Like, you know when something's wrong. Exactly. I know. That's how I feel too. There's so many ways you can manipulate kids. You can say, you know, I'm going to kill the four-year-old if you don't do what I say. Right. Like, like he's just flat out just threatening your threatening kids. your kids. You know, dad's gone off his freaking rocker. Like, okay, <laughs> let's just appease him and, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll figure it out. Wouldn't that be amazing if they're in their 20s I know, and they contact their mom? Like, maybe the dad dies natural causes or whatever, and they're like, okay, I'm free. I can finally find I know, mom again. I know, I can again. finally do something. So this is sort of what Diana believes. She thinks that they are living in a religious commune somewhere. I find this like a hard theory for me to believe because I mean, people can leave communes. You can right. venture out into the real world. But if you think that there's this no is need your, to. Yeah, yeah, like if you're if they end up being like content and feeling like that's a safe totally. place to be, then they're like, well, why do we feel the need to leave? Exactly. Mm. My, my one lingering question, though, is why? I feel like, yes, okay, simple, simple explanation would be that Gary was unhappy with his current situation. He wanted the kids all to himself, and so he decided to take them. Or he just wanted to hurt his ex-wife. By hurting them. By hurting them. I mean, there's so many different reasons but we just don't really know what the reason is i could find no background information on this guy i could only find one photo of him what i could find absolutely no information on who he was or you know how long he might have been planning this for there's just no information out there whatsoever on this case so it's been completely lost but there's nothing else that says anything about his upbringing what his past was like no so we have no idea and, and we don't even know that much about the boys either. We don't, like, I tried to find something that would humanize them, which is why mm-hmm. I talked about that morning when they were getting ready. The kids were just, like, normal kids. Yeah. 
even if he spent so much time rigging this house yeah. when he wasn't even there, it wouldn't have even mattered if it went off or not because he was, okay? Like, if we're going to yeah, go with gone. the theory of him leaving before, like, he picks up the kids and leaves right away, they're going to go to the house anyways, and then he could even have fake bombs in there, and they would take the same amount of time to kind of figure out how yeah. to detonate a, you know, and they would realize that it's not even a real bomb. But this was all what's set the, up. Yeah, like, what's the point of having a real bomb in there yeah. if you weren't even going to be there anyways? And you didn't set it off. You didn't get to see your handiwork happen. Exactly. Why would you set off a real bomb? Why go through all the you trouble? You could have just said, you know, bomb threat. Yeah. You can just say, yeah, it's 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 rigged. You try and get in there, it's going to go off. And then it would have elicited happens. the same response. Exactly. Yeah. What's the point of that? Good question. Was he just really sick and he just wanted somebody to die? Maybe he hoping just Hoping that it would be her? Yeah, hoping she would actually show up at the house. And maybe since she didn't show up, he was like, oh, I'm just going to call her and tell her or something. Like, the call, too, is weird. Like, why not just not call? Exactly. Like, why not Buy just... yourself even more time. Yeah. Why, what is the point of the call? She would have gotten worried eventually and called right. him. So I don't know why he called her and then was very specific about making sure that she knew that he had taken the boys. Right. He wanted her to suffer. Right. With that knowledge. Yeah. yeah. Because otherwise he could have just left it for more hours and hours to go by until she finally calls the cops. He didn't need to set a booby trap either. He could have just taken the boys and gone without doing anything. So obviously he, he wanted someone to get hurt. Yeah. And it was probably her. Mm-hmm. But that's what we were saying. Why not just disappear? Why exactly. call it all? Just give yourself all that time. Yeah. Get off the island. Don't draw attention to yourself. Right. And if he genuinely, like I said, like if he wanted something to happen to her, he wouldn't have even told her it was booby-trapped. I mean, if we think back on this, okay, so the one theory is that he drove the car off the cliff and killed them all, but why not kill them in the house if he just wanted to do a murder-suicide or why, yeah, why annihilate me? his family? Why not just set the bombs off right, and take out some neighboring homes and, you know, go out with a bang? Like, why just drive off a cliff and then be like, no one's going to find us because it's a freaking Atlantic Ocean and... Yeah, that, that part doesn't make sense to me either. So, who knows? When someone's in this state of mind, you have no idea. What, you don't, yes, this is what, so true. What their reasoning even is. And it's probably like your adrenaline is going like crazy and you're making rash decisions. Or maybe he had this very methodically planned out for a long time. So, my other question is, what did the police find in his house? Right. Did, did he have like books on bomb making? Was he like, what were his internet searches if he had a computer? So all they said was that it was an empty house. Yeah, empty. There wasn't anyone inside. But we don't know what they collected, what kind of evidence that they found, how long was he planning this for, you know, what what was actually like, I feel like there had to be some sort of story in his home, like of who this man was and what he was doing with his time. For sure. So despite all of the theories that we've talked about, there really is no concrete answer to this case. We can theorize for days on what actually happened to Gary, Trevor, Mitchell, and Adam, but we don't know. That's just the fact of the matter. We have no idea. But if you have any theories of your own or something that we've said has sparked 
some idea of what might have happened, or you're familiar with Newfoundland, or you know this case, contact us. We'd love to talk about it. Thanks for listening to the very first episode of Whose Crime Is It Anyway? This case is still open. If you have any information on the O'Brien brothers or Gary, please contact the Newfoundland RCMP at 1-800-709-RCMP or Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-TIPS. Or you can go to missingkids.ca and contact 1-866-543-8477. There are age progression photos available of Adam, Mitchell, and Trevor and an active Facebook page to support in finding out what actually happened. We'll put a link to all of this in the show notes. If you liked this episode, we love it if you'd share it with a friend who loves true crime as well. We'll be releasing another episode next week on Friday, so stay tuned for our next Canadian mystery. Until then, we'll keep asking the question, whose crime is it anyway? And apparently we love to say booby trap, so here's a treat for you guys. Like I said, like if he wanted something to happen to her, he wouldn't have even told her it was booby-trapped. But why would he call from inside his house if it's booby-trapped? Exactly. When he left his house to go and pick up those boys, he had already booby-trapped the house. Mm -hmm. He didn't need to set a booby-trap either. He could have just taken the boys and gone.